The message you're about to listen to is by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Centre. Remain blessed as you listen. And those who are about to be fathers, amen, praise God. Those who are married are not aware that they are fathers because, you know, they've not yet received a positive test, you know, but, you know, glory to God. <laughs> praise God. First Timothy chapter number six. You read it? All right. First Timothy six and verse 10. Can we turn in there quickly? It says what? Fight. Okay, okay, we start from 10. We're going to where we're going. All right, he said, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have heard from the faith and have pierced themselves through with what? Many sorrows. Now, remember what we said, all right, when he says, For the love of money is the root of all evils, there was a context. What was the context? The context was what? Doctrine. I hope you listened to last week's message, right? Was doctrine. That when he says the love of money, all right, in the book of all evil, the backdrop was that there were many apostles and many um, teachers, all right, that were supported by some churches and synagogues. And they supported you based on the doctrine that you taught. So, for example, if you look at the Acts chapter number 15 scenario, a lot of those of the Jewish persuasions of Jewish background believed that after the Gentiles could not just be saved like that, that the Gentiles needed to also, all right, believe all right, the law of Moses and, you know, do the law of Moses. If they didn't believe, um, if you didn't teach that, they didn't support you. So Paul is now um, warning Timothy that do not, because of money, change and, you know, alter your message. Do you understand? So when he says, for, but the love of money is the root of all um, evils. All right, back up there, verse 10. All right, but the love of money, that word love there actually means lost, something you strongly desire. So that means that loss, that desire for money is the root, all right, of all evil. He says, which why some coveted after they have what erred from the faith. So they erred from the faith. Now, remember what we said? We said that when you find that expression, the faith, what does it mean? It is referring to what? A set of doctrines and a set of what? Teaching, teachings. It's not talking about faith to believe God for something. It's talking about faith as a belief system. So it says they've erred from the faith. That means they've erred from the right teaching, the right doctrine, because they coveted after money. He said, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, verse 11, everybody really want to go. It says what? But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after what? Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Verse 12, what does it say? He said, fight the good fight of faith. Now, what fight of faith is, when he says fight the good fight of faith, he's talking about contending, all right, for the right set of teachings and the right set of doctrines. You understand? He's talking about teaching the right thing. He said, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, why is it very important that you must teach the right thing? All right? You must teach the right thing. Look at St. Jude's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 3. Why is it important you must teach the right thing? Why is it important that your teachings must be correct? Why is it important that doctrine must be right? The reason is because that people's lives are determined by the doctrine they believe. Glory to God. Doctrine is a life or death matter. Belief system is a life or death matter. There was a time while I was um, um, still practicing medicine, all right, I was, uh, you know, a house job, a house officer then. So we had this child that was born, and the child actually had um, some form of, um, you know, septicemia that was going to require blood transfusion. Now, the mother and father of that child were Jehovah's Witnesses. And the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that it is a sin for you to receive blood. Now, that is a belief system. Are you following what I'm saying here? Somebody came up with that doctrine and taught it as the word of God. And that doctrine has real life practical repercussions. So that's why you must be very, very careful. We must be very, very careful to ensure that when we are teaching from the word, we teach the correct thing. Because the life and the death of people is tied to it. That's why you cannot be, and we cannot be flippant and careless with Bible teaching. You cannot say that all these scripture, scripture we are doing in church is too much. Let us talk about things that will help our life. Give us 10 things to grow rich or something like that. Listen to me. All right? The church is a place for Bible doctrine. 
Okay? It's a what? Bible doctrine. In fact, the local church is not a place primarily for miracles. The local church is not primarily a place for, for you to come and be walking miracles. No. The primary thing you do in church is teaching. Then you can talk about the demonstrations of the spirit, the miraculous and things like that. Those things are important because we are a supernatural family. But the first thing is teaching. The Bible talks about the ministry of Jesus and they came to him to hear and to be what? Healed. So that means the first thing was that they came to what? To hear. Praise the Lord. Look at Jude chapter 1 verse 3. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me, all right, to write unto you and exhort you that you should what? Earnestly contend what? For the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend for the faith. That means earnestly contend for the right doctrine, the right message, the right teaching. Why must you earnestly contend for the right message, the right doctrine, the right teaching? Because if you do not contend for the right doctrine, the right teachings, you are going to find out that if false doctrines perface the land in 50 to 100 years, there will be no sound doctrine anywhere. Praise the Lord. There will be no sound doctrine everywhere. Remember, I told you that speaking in tongues was one of the foundational um, doctrines in the church. The indwelling of the spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues. One of the foundations was the very foundation in Mark 16. Talk to Mark 16 and verse 17. All right, Mark 16, 17 says, This sign shall follow them that shall be, that believe. In my name they shall what? Cast out devils. Then the next thing he says, they shall what? Speak with what? They shall speak with what? New tongues, very clear in Acts 2, chapter 1, verse, um, chapter, uh, Acts 2, chapter 2, from verse 1 to 4. It says, And on the day, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all gathered with one accord in one place, and there came a sound from heaven, like of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were seated, and they appeared upon them, on them, cloven tongues and of fire, and sat on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to do what? Speak with other tongues. They began to speak with other tongues. Acts 2. Glory to God. Acts 19, verse 6. And after he had laid hands on them, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Glory to God. Acts 10, all right, from verse 44, it tells us that they spoke in other tongues. Glory to God. First Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 18, Paul said, I thank my God that I speak with tongues, what? More than ye all. First Corinthians 14, verse 2, verse 2, it says, He that speaketh with an unknown tongue, speaketh not unto men, but unto what? God. No man understands, albeit in his spirit, he speaketh what? Mysteries. So it means that it was very common in the early church for people to talk in tongues. Are you following? First Corinthians 14, 26, it says, How, um, What is it, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, every one of you hath a, has a tongue, every one of you have an interpretation, has a prophecy. So that means that in the early church, it was commonplace for everyone to come to the assembly with a word from the Lord. Commonplace. So what happened? By 200 years after the birthing of the church, the manifestations of the spirit called tongues, prophecy, began to disappear. By 350 um, AD, 400 AD, it was non-existent. Such that in the space of 1,600 years, nobody heard anybody speak in tongues. Nobody had anybody speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues was not a normal thing. In fact, during that period when the Roman Catholic Church was the dominant church, and even when the Protestants came, glory to God, when they found somebody speaking in tongues and prophesying, they thought, they, they thought that that person was, was manifesting evil spirits. And they sought to exorcise the person. When did he come back? He came back to the ministry, all right, prominently of Alexander Dowie. Late 20th century, they now began to call people that spoke in tongues what? Pentecostals. They called it a new wave. It's not new. It was there in the early church. But because someone came up and thought that tongues died with the last apostle. And that tongues and all those things were not necessary, all right? It belonged to the last apostles that when Jesus said, this sign shall follow them that believe he was speaking to the apostles and not us. 
And the moment the last apostle died, and the last person the apostles imparted died, the gift ceased. People believed it, people ran with it, and boom, that thing disappeared. Glory to God. There are people that are still teaching that today. Content earnestly. You contend for it. Why? Because you see, it is the doctrine you contend for that you will pass to the next generation. It is the doctrine you contend for that will be passed to the next generation. Glory to God. So, for example, let me give you another one. You find that what the Bible teaches concerning salvation is that salvation is by what? Grace, through faith, not of what? Works. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter number 2, from verse 6 into 8, is salvation by grace through faith, not of works. So that means a man is saved 100% by believing in Jesus. 100% is saved. Ephesians 2, it says, And that raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Everybody, verse 7, 1 to go. What does it say? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches in, of his grace in his kindness towards us through, Jesus, uh, through Christ Jesus. Verse 8, everybody read it. says, what? For by grace are you what? Louder. For by grace are you what? Louder. For by grace are you what? Through what? Faith. And that not of what? It is what? It is what? So salvation is a gift. Everybody say it's a gift. Salvation is a gift. It is by grace. Look at Romans chapter 3 verse 23. Romans 3 23. Alright. It says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Correct? Correct. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Now look at verse 24. Being justified freely by what? Through the redemption that is in what? So that means we are justified by grace. What does justified mean? Justified means declared righteous. We are declared righteous by what? Grace. Not because of anything you did. By what? Grace. Now look at Romans 6.23. I'm not just showing scriptures after scriptures after scriptures. Romans 6.23. It says, For the, wage, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life who? To treat. Now what does he call it? He calls it what? The gift of God. Everybody say gift. Say gift. Gift of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Foundational Bible teaching. Which means a man is not saved by how he dresses. A woman is not saved by how she looks. A man is not saved because he pays tithe or because he gives offering. A man is not saved because of any good he has done. A woman is not saved because she wears scarf or she doesn't wear trousers or she, she doesn't wear makeup or she covers her hair or doesn't cover her hair. No, they are saved because of the gift of God. They received what? The gift of God, which is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that means if a man accepts Jesus as Lord and accepts his propitiation, which is a sacrifice on the cross, that man is what? Saved. Look at how to get saved. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10 and verse 8. Because I want to show you why you contend. You need to contend earnestly. You need to contend in your space. You need to contend at work, your workplace. You need to contend among your friends because any doctrine you don't contend for will disappear. Doctrines are propagated and perpetrated by men. It says, what said it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we, what? Which we preach. Look at verse 9. It says what? Listen, this is how a man got saved. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe where? In thy heart, that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be what? Saved. Look at the next verse, verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto what? Righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto what? Are you seeing that? Very simple. No additions. Glory to God. No additions. Now, I want to now show you where the first attempt to add to the requirements of salvation was made. In Acts 15. Acts 15 and verse 1. 
first attempt. Because there is something in men, in the fallen nature of men, that wants to lay on people a burden God didn't lay on them. You understand? You just want to lay a burden on them. <laughs> just want to lay a burden. It's not in scripture, but I want to lay it on them. Okay, I'll give you an example. This may sound controversial. I don't mean to be controversial. I'm just giving it as an example. So, for example, a girl, a lady gets pregnant, and she's not married yet. Then the guy wants to marry the lady. You understand? But the church now comes and says, no. You understand? And bring some reason why I'm like, I don't understand. Yes, they sinned. You understand? Fornication is a sin. Praise God. We agree it's a sin, right? It's a sin. Now, I want it to sink into your consciousness. It's not a mistake. You understand? Because what is a mistake? I was walking. I was walking. I didn't know it's a gutter and I fell inside. That's a mistake. But fornication is not a mistake. Adultery. It's no mistake. It's a sin. It's one of the things that you can't commit. It cannot be a mistake. It's adultery. Amen. See, that pause is for effect. <laughs> it's for effect. You understand? You, it, uh, it's not a sin. You can't, you can't say, you can't say, Anyone who is fornicating is sinning consciously, willfully. You understand? It's not an unconscious sin. It is conscious. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So they fornicated and the baby came. Then the church now goes and says, no, they can't get married. Why? Why? Now, I can get the optics part of saying, okay, she should, she should give birth to the child first. So that I don't look at her. She's where, you know, she's pregnant. You know, the, the optics don't look good. Praise God. You understand what I mean? Uh, okay, fine. But they can marry. They can marry. You can say hey, you don't do it in church. It's fine. No problem. They can do it in court. I can pastor. You can follow them and take pictures with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Okay, go good. They're not laws. It's not explicitly said because even marriage, church marriage, church wedding is not explicitly stated in the Bible. Praise God. All right, marriage is between families. That's what the Bible shows us. That is why if your parents say they don't agree to your marriage, I can't overrule them. That's also for effect. I cannot overrule them. Say, no, I'm a new creation. My parents, <laughs> better get, get, better understand what marriage is. <laughs> you hear what? what? Look, your dad said, no, I don't want that guy. You better go and make your kiss. With strong prayer and fasting. That the father, you understand? I've taught on that before. Praise God. I showed you from the Bible. Marrying against parental advice is dishonor. Is what? That's what it is. Dishonor. Don't dishonor your parents like that. That's what it is. You make your case, pray, you'll come around. So far, they are not possessed of devils. Glory to God. If it's the Lord that is doing it, it means the Spirit of God will reach out and touch them. And if you are praying, they are not possessed of devils. They are spiritual people and they are saying no. You better understand why they are saying no. Before Ayamatanga is what you have brought to, to Maria, you are not aware. <laughs> now look at Acts 15 verse 1. Ah, hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. You know, there are some folks that have married their enemies because their eyes were not open to understand who they married. Hallelujah. Yeah, their eyes were not open to understand who they married. There are people that have married up. Agents of darkness. You know agents of darkness? You know they won't look ugly. Glory to God. You know, I say, I say if you're a carnal man, carnal brother, you're just here, you're sitting in church, but you're carnal, you understand? Oh, carnal God, you're carnal! <laughs> just in church, you know? What's the next week you talk? You're now looking around. Yes, boss, no problem. Hmm. And also one chiquita, she's fair. Everything is shaking in the right frequency. Hmm. You now heard God. You, you know, you understand? God has spoken. Ah, <laughs> oh my brother. Ah, it's not everybody that is human that is human. No. Amen. 
make sure you are spiritual. Shine your eyes. And brother, some of you, it's not, <laughs> you see, there are different kinds of, fornication has levels. There's fornication with normal person. That means you've sinned. Are you following? But it's with a normal person. Are you following? Then there's fornicating with your, you understand? With abnormal person. That one is not just sin. <laughs> that one is Pandora's box. <laughs> you see, that fornication you did there, Kotobo. Ah, <laughs> Kotobo. You will first know. As a pastor, we see things. So. Kotobo. Before you eh? Ha! Wagba shege beture nadura. She eh? Wagba. To the intent that you will never make such a mistake again. You are married. Let your wife's body satisfy you. Especially if you are in ministry, you have been preaching the gospel. You, Jesus is the Lord. Eh? Then you go for someone says, I've been afflicted. Can you come? You say, Come here, man of God. Come over. And he goes out. And you think the devil is happy with you. Better your wife, just be staying there. Any fight you are fight it where they said to. Then let her be the one to satisfy you. If you parent just say it's not enough. And you want to add Zobu. Ah. <laughs> the devil will package it. And present it. You just hear, you just be saying she's understanding. Eh, <laughs> caring, eh, <laughs> loving. Eh, <laughs> continue. Praise God. Music is discerning. Life is spiritual, and I can tell you that as the coming of the Lord approaches, the occurrence of spiritual wickedness. Would increase which also means that the manifestation of our authority in christ will also be what increase because when there is deep darkness there will also be the manifestation of what great lights glory now let me look at this act 15. i hope that word has delivered somebody who was planning some you understand? Get together. <laughs> ah, and you know, it's not for, 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 uh, for sisters, also for the men. There are some men that sleep with women with stuff. So, you understand? Everybody should understand what I'm saying. So, walk in the spirit and do not fulfill the lust of the word, the flesh. So, there are those of you women that the moment you see car, your brain is suspended. Alright? Walk in the spirit not fulfill the loss of flesh. Keep everything together. Look at them and say, keep everything together. In the Holy Ghost. Holy. Hallelujah. And certain men which came down from Judea. Now notice we are talking about adding to the message. Said, and certain men came down from Judea, taught the brethren and said, except ye be what? Circumcised. After the manner of what? Moses. Ye cannot be what? Hold on. They were talking to save people. Hey, first they wanted to add Jesus plus something. Hallelujah. It's like today. Someone comes and says, Oluchi, you are doing bread. Hey, except you do natural, you cannot be saved. Except you tight, you cannot be saved. Because if you don't tithe, you have robbed God. And because you have robbed God, you are a thief. And no thief is entering heaven. Glory to God. Can you see that biblical mathematics? Praise the Lord. Now, you now have folks tithing to remain saved. Does the Bible teach that? No. Hallelujah. So that is why you contend. It is for the peace of mind of people. When false doctrine is allowed to spread, one characteristic of false doctrine is that it disturbs the peace. It unsettles people. It puts pressure on people to perform. It reduces the impact and the 
um, the weight of the sacrifice of Jesus. Now look at what happened. Look at the, the Nizot, verse 2. Look at it. 15.2. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this world. So that means what happened was, Paul and Barnabas obviously knew it was wrong. That was doctrine was false. But you know, because it was in Antioch, and it, Antioch was not a church Paul and Barnabas started, so they didn't have full authority over that church. So it became an argument, and they had to go to the apostles to settle the matter. Praise God. So you contend earnestly. Hallelujah. Another way to contend earnestly is that the, round, the sound doctrine you have learned and you have heard, you are to pass it to the next person through discipleship. You are to what? Pass it to the next person through discipleship. Evangelism and discipleship are how you contend because evangelism and discipleship is how you ensure that you don't lose the territory. Territory are maintained and taken in the hearts of men. What did I say? Territories are taken and maintained in the hearts of men. So, for example, to take a surulere is to take the men in surulere. To plant the fruit, the seed of sound doctrine in the hearts of the men in where? In surulere. So, when you do that, you have taken surulere. Praise God. And for that to continue to happen, you have to ensure that as you disciple one, the person you disciple disciples what? Another. So there is no place in the body of Christ for barren Christians. Christians who do not evangelize and who do not disciple. Let me tell you a story. Are you ready to hear my story? Now, how many of you know Turkey? The nation of Turkey. If you know and you are aware there is a nation called Turkey, let me see your hands. Good. Do you know that the city of Antioch, Acts 15, that we're talking about, the city of Antioch that Paul rose from was, is a Turkish city. Places like Pisidia. All right? Turkish city. It's Turkey. It's city of Turkey. Hallelujah. All right? Places like Constantinople. That's Turkey. Anatolia. That's Turkey. All right? For about 1,000 years after the death of Jesus... Turkey was a Christian nation. They were Christians. Christians. Are you following what I'm saying? Christians. The famous Hagia Sophia. There is a, a, a church called Hagia Sophia. At a point, Hagia Sophia was the largest auditorium in the world. Church auditorium, Hagia Sophia. It's in Turkey, Constantinople. So, it was a Christian country. Christian state. Hallelujah. Then, after some time, the fabric of Christianity grew weak and weak within the nation state of Constantinople, all right, and Turkey, okay, and you now found that certain other false practices were permitted in the nation of, of Turkey. Then you now found that they didn't, you know, things like praying in the spirit, supplication, all of that, it was lost. So they were not able to continue what the apostles had left, you know, uh, had left. Then also, because the, the, the way the nation was then was that Christianity was the religion of the state. So it now became something about a national affair rather than a personal relationship what, with God. So when this guy, a guy called um, Saladin, came, praise God, and fought against Constantinople, Constantinople really couldn't survive. Saladin took over Constantinople, made Islam the religion of the state, and now when I mention Turkey, what do you think? Islam. Territories are taking and retain in the heart of what? Of men. Praise God. Same thing with Lebanon. Same thing that happened with the nation of Lebanon. Until 1960s, Lebanon was a Christian country. 
Lebanon here, this Lebanon we're talking Middle East, was a Christian country. Lebanon was a Christian country. So do not think that the grounds we've gained through preaching the gospel cannot be easily lost. It can be lost. It can be lost in a generation. Glory to God. It can be lost what? In a generation. And when it is lost, it becomes harder to take the gospel in. It becomes hard. Look at how we have to pray and fast to say we want to take the, preach the gospel in Kano or Kassina or Bono. It's hard. It becomes hard. Because there are strongholds in the minds of the people there. There are strongholds in their politics. Making it hard for the gospel to penetrate. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Before someone stands and says, oh, why do we have to force our religion? We are not forcing anything on anybody. Glory to God. No. We are not saying join our religion. No. We are saying believe in Jesus. For the salvation of your soul. Because you are here for a while. If you have checked anything on this earth, you will find out that this earth, if you look at it well and look at the lifespan of people, you will find out that this earth was not really designed for a man to live forever in his natural body, in this state. Which already lets us know that this earth is just an audition. It's an audition for something else. It's an exam for something else. How you do with what really matters on this earth, in your natural body will determine what that something else will be. If a man lives and dies at 37, his exam is over. Dies at 70, his exam is over. 80, his exam is over. If he missed the essence of living, he has missed out. He has lost. In, in the afterlife, after someone dies, it does not matter whether you are Muslim or Christian. It matters whether you believed in Jesus. Because there, nobody said, look, look, we can be fighting here about our belief system. You don't fight there. You can do democracy here. There's no democracy in hell or heaven, no. Are you following? You don't have rights. It's not, it's not after you leave your body. Then you now enter. Then... Uh, a demon is taking you to hell, not you, taking somebody to hell. Then that person say, I have rights. It's my human right. I have rights. Eh, first. <laughs> By the time some things move you, you understand that ah, I'm not in America. Oh, praise God. Listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth on him should not what perish. It means there is a perishing for those who don't believe. You think Jesus came here for a picnic? No. He was hung on the cross. There had to be a reason for it. Ah, uh -uh. someone hung on the cross. They spat on the Son of God, slapped him. He didn't react, and you didn't think there was a reason. He was shamed, humiliated. You, did, you thought it was just film trick? There was a reason for it, sir. That reason was the redemption of our souls. The forgiveness of our sins. Not just the forgiveness of the sins of the church. Because by the time he died, there was no church. He died for the sins of the whole world. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So we have to ensure that the reason why he died, the whole world gets to know. Praise the Lord. Now, while I've said that, talking about preaching the gospel and ministry, it's also very important that when you are going about doing ministry, those of us who are saved, we do it with the right motives. The Christian will not stand before God in the white throne judgment. The white throne judgment is reserved for those who rejected Jesus. Nobody is coming out of the white throne judgment justified. Nobody. Because you know that throne, they say it's a white throne. You know what that means? You know what it means? It means it's a throne, all right, of the unadulterated, pure righteousness of God. Man's righteousness cannot smell it. You can because for you to be justified when you come at the white throne judgment, it means that your righteousness must what? Be at par with the righteousness of that God that sits on that throne. Are you following what I'm saying? But when you come 
as a man, before that white robe judgment, you will fall short. Glory to God. For you to be justified before God, he has to give you his righteousness. Because your righteousness will never be enough. So he has to give you his righteousness. This is what he has done in Jesus Christ. So I can talk to God as a son because I have his righteousness. He gave me his own righteousness because my own could never be enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I come to God on the basis of what he gave me. Not on the basis of what I gave him. Glory to God. I, I said glory to God. Amen. But now as Christian workers, I have just 10 more minutes. Now as Christian workers, it's very, very important that when we go about doing God's work, we do it for the right motives. We do it with the right intentions. Because there is a judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is not a judgment seat where we determine who goes to hell or heaven. No. The judgment seat of Christ is for believers. Every one of us seated here, we will be judged. And the judgment seat of Christ is a judgment for rewards. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, I've heard people say things like, if a man of God sins, we should not, don't judge them, let God judge. Right? right? I've never heard that. I have heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's right. Don't judge another man's servant. That's what the scripture says. You understand? Hallelujah. But that does not mean that, for example, if a preacher commits a crime against the state, that means rape, defraud members, and all, then we say, don't judge. No. No. Praise the Lord. You know me, I don't preach that rubbish here. Praise God. I said, praise God. Or let's say maybe uh, there is a principle of judgment in local church. In the local church. The way the local church is set up. Such that if a leader misbehaves, there should be a, a mechanism in the local church to judge that person. Not condemn. Condemnation and judge are not the same. To judge that person. That means you've done this, alright? Now, because you've done this, something is wrong. So we are going to judge you this way, and that judgment, one of the things it's supposed to achieve is that it's supposed to achieve a restoration of what? Of your walk in the spirit, glory to God, via the judgment. Are you following what I'm saying? So, for example, let's say a leader is caught up with a sexual sin. How many of you agree with me that sexual sin don't just appear? It has been built over time. It would mean that consistently over time, somebody has been giving permission for the devil, you know, yielding their body to, you understand, either have thought, desires, and stuff. So now when it now becomes, and we find out that, oh, there's this sexual sin going on with this person, or with this person, and all, it means that this is something that has become ingrained in this person's way of life. The judgment of the church, of the eldership, of the leadership, all right, must be designed to restore that man or woman into walking as they should walk. So, for example, if the person is preaching the gospel and is preaching and all, we can say, okay, for three months, four months, or two months, you are not going to be preaching, you are not going to be handling anything on the pulpit, but what is going to be happening is, every single day or every single week, you are going to be sitting out with the elders, you are going to be sitting out with pastors, where we will go through certain scriptures, where we are going to spend some time, what? Praying together. Are you following what I'm talking about? We do that for the guy, the leader. We do that for, so if it is a woman, we do that for, for her. If it is a guy, we do that for the person. Then we don't leave the person they were singing with out, if that person is a member of the church. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. So we have to drop them that way, separate them, teach, 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 teach. Then again, we also have to make them to, you know, because sometimes this person, you know, sings. And if the person is a pastor or a leader, very popular, and the lady is nobody and no one knows, you find out that people always want to tend to celebrate the pastor, then make a villain of the woman. That's wrong. Wrong. They both sinned. They are both members of the family. Are you following what I'm saying? So, the treatment we give the pastor, we have to double it times 10 and give the member 
Why? Because the member is not a leader. Don't forget. And that member's perception of who God is has been affected by what the pastor did with her. Is anybody following me? Or am I talking to... So we have to... You understand? It may be that we have to take that woman to another church where she's not going to be seeing this person because obviously they can't continue that what they were going on before. You understand what I'm saying? So I to her and ensure this person is fed and, you know, restored so that our work with God and our work for God does not suffer. But we don't treat them as enemies. They are not enemies. So judging people because of, that means judging based on, you know, the church, construct of the church, all right, when the air is New Testament, it is proper. All right. Now, we judge them not because they sinned, but because they have gotten into a lifestyle of what? Of sinning. So the judgment is to restore them. It's with correction, rebuke, you understand? It's to correct them and set them on the path that they should walk on. Not to condemn them. Not to make villains of them. Praise God. But the problem is that this modern church and modern Christians, the moment they are going to be judged for a, um, um, a life of living in sin, they begin to take it as though you are against them. They now want to rationalize their faults. So when you want to do that, you find that some people will not leave church. And when they leave church, they take away the chance of restoration that was God's plan in the, be in the beginning. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. All right, 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5. And look at verse 10. Did I say 1 Corinthians 5? 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. Look at what he says there. He says, next week we are going to now go into why people will lose rewards and why people will have rewards. How ministers will be judged. All right. Every one of us is a minister. Praise God. How everyone's going to judge. And how those who are called in fivefold ministry will be judged. You will see it in scripture. In fact, the Bible warns against people being in a hurry to have spiritual authority like pastor, preacher, and stuff. He says, because your judgment will be more what? Strict. The reason why your judgment will be more strict is the way you judge teachers. It's not the way you will judge the students they were teaching. So that means, what is allowed, because I always wonder about some people, when they always say, God has called me to ministry. What kind of ministry? To start my own thing. I'm like, hey, 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 I was are you sure? Because the truth about it is, let me tell you what I found out about Christians and the body of Christ. Copy, copy is too much. Oh. Let me tell you something. In the 60s, in the 50s, do you know what was raining? Evangelist. Do you know what evangelist was raining? Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Because Billy Graham had the largest crowds. So the person that had the largest crowds was not a pastor, was not a prophet. It was a what? An evangelist. So before I knew it, everybody said, I'm an evangelist. I'm an evangelist. What are going to Evangelist. Just like Billy Graham. Evangelist. The Lord spoke to me and said, I've raised you evangelists. I mean, everybody heard it. In Nigeria, too. I mean, when you grow up, you always heard of evangelists has come into town. They would just have an evangelist. I mean, I know that. So there was a time that happened in Nigeria. Why? Because of Archbishop Benson Idawosa. Because of the outreaches and all. So everybody was saying, I'm an evangelist. evangelist. But when they now found that there was no much money in evangelism again, praise God. Then you had bishops and pastors reigning. All of a sudden, people became pastors. So when Reverend Samadhi started doing success, leadership, and it was reigning, praise God, people started saying, I'm a coach. Success, leadership. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Then when some prophet came, I'm saying, your phone number is 0812-632-1-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2
that they came and said, um, in the name of Jesus, that Paul preached, come out. What did the devil say? He said, Peter, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Where are you? Where are you? Who are you? And what did the devils do? They pounced on them. So that is why you have to be careful. You don't just, spiritual things are spiritual things. You don't dabble into what does not concern you. Praise God. You are serve. If God has truly called you, be sure. It is fine. He will back you. Praise God. And I always tell folks that many times, when God calls people into ministry, all right, in the, in the Bible, in scriptures, he didn't call them to start independent, away from supervision. Even Paul, go and check, Paul operated under what? Supervision. He was under the Jerusalem church. He was answerable to James. So that's why if you read Acts 15, what did they say? They sent them where? To Jerusalem. To go and ask the apostles, what is your decision? What should we go and tell these people? Because they were under authority. That is the framework of the church. But somewhere along the line, we missed it. But God is bringing it back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because every church um, pastor, any, every Jew, should have another Jew we can report him to. Are you following what I'm saying? Yes, we have a, a system of accountability. You don't say, report him to God. <laughs> God didn't set it up like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said it all like that. Glory to God. He said it all like that. Praise God. He did not set it up like that. He didn't. There has to be a system of accountability. Praise God. Because if nobody checks me, I can't do anything since I'm God in the church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Everybody wants to go. It says, for we must all what? Appear before the judgment seat of God. How many of us will appear? Louder. Louder. All. Before the judgment seat of God. That everyone may receive what? The things done where? In his body. You are forgiven, no? But you will receive judgment for the things done where? In your body. Whether according to that he had done. Whether it be what? So, look at the next verse, 11. What Paul says based on that? Knowing, therefore, the what? The what? Thereof, Lord. We what? We persuade men. Hallelujah. We what? We so, that means the man is persuading. Who is he persuading? He's Christians. Praise God. Praise God. Some of us will stand before the judgment of Christ. Well done, good and faithful, so that enter. You understand? There are some that... The, the red eye of Jesus will make you cry. You know the Bible says he will wipe away all tears. You know it's not tears of sinners is wiping away. It means that at the judgment seat of Christ, some people will cry. 70 years of ministry, no reward. Yes, you didn't build it according to the materials. You used the ministry to, to enrich yourself. You used your position to take advantage of my daughters. You abused my sons. They will see the terror of the Lord. Praise God. So the Bible says, judge yourselves so that you will not be what? Yes. So that's why that system in the local church where when somebody errs, the leadership judges that person in a bit to restore him is so that when he stands before the judgment seat of Christ, he won't be judged on that matter. Because the judgment in the local church has actually helped him walk properly. You follow what I'm saying? So let's say a guy was living in adultery, a pastor leader or member living in adultery, it was open sin, church found out, we call brother, brother, we found out that you are, you and um, Sister Francisca are getting it busy, all right? And you are married to Sister... You know, Luciana, what's going on? 
Um, something, 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 something. So, so, brother, look, this is not this thing, this thing. You're on the choir, blah, blah, blah. So, what we're going to do is this for some three months. You're not going to be singing anything. You're going to listen to this. We need to help you on the path of restoration. All right. The sisters are talking with Sister Francisca. We're not bringing you together. So, the counseling is going on separately. So, this is what you're going to do. You're going to spend a um, couple of these things within the Word of God, um, spending time in prayer because for you to have lived your life this way, it means you have not yet spent enough time with the Word of God and prayer. You're going to attend every service, midweek service and Sunday services, all right? Then we are going to be checking up with you, how things going, how is every single thing, like that, like that, like that. Then we also bring your wife involved, all right? And make sure that your wife helps you on this journey. You guys work on your relationship and things like that. What are we trying to achieve? Restoration. Praise God. So, he's forgiven of his sin. Then he walks right. Praise God. And John said, nobody's going to judge him for Hallelujah. He judged himself. The church handled the business. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now notice, this first service, you know this first service for workers and those who want to join us. So you notice, this one is meat that I'm giving you. Okay? Serve the Lord Jesus in such a way that you will get a reward. Because there is a way you will serve Jesus. You won't get a reward though. Praise God. You won't get a reward. And let me close. How many of you watched um, France versus Germany, Europe? How many of you watched it? You watched highlights. Okay, good. How many of you realize Mbappé is caught two goals? But what was the score of the match? 1-0. But Mbappé scores, why they no counter now? Because it was what? Offside. Which means goals are counted when it is according to the what? The rules. Praise God. Now, no, I'm a, oh, praise God. Now, listen. How many of you have noticed when Vieira was added, those of you that watch football, if you don't watch football, collect your interpretation from the Holy Spirit. All right? <laughs> now, how many of you, now, you see, they, they're playing football, they're playing football, then they score, then they celebrate, go! The whole stadium, the fans, go! Everybody's celebrating. Then they are doing a check. And what's that? What's that? Okay. That's a foul. Oh, all right. That's a foul. That's a foul. Confirmed. Confirmed. Oh, yeah. Oh. Then you feel like, pay, pay. Go kick. Now, the, the ball was in the net. Everybody has been celebrating and jubilating, hailing you. Wow. What a goal. Some goals are even fantastic. Great goal. They say, oh, if only it was allowed. Oh, what a go. If only it was allowed. Well, you see, <laughs> it was not scored in accordance with the what? With the rules. So it will not be acknowledged, even though it entered the net. That's a parable. Listen, it is not everything people do for God they will reward it for. Because God is the one that sees the intent of the heart. Hallelujah. God is the one that does what? Ah. It's not everything. There are some ministries that were started because of envy, insubordination, offense. All the ministry is about to, is to prove to the ministry they came from that they can do it too. The person has money and the member supports. Some members will leave that church and say, we'll back you up. Give you one billion, ten million. The the fuel, their inspiration is vengeance. They want to show that other person that they can do it. They will have the crowd. To grow church in this thing, you just need money, guest artists, you will grow. Guest artists and food. You don't even need some small supernatural. Just sprinkle supernatural. You can even just say there's somebody here. You can arrange miracles, arrange people. What's your phone number? This and this and this. And this. There's somebody here, your phone number is somebody. Call. You can arrange all those things. You see, you don't take you understand, everything can happen. Praise the Lord. Come on. When you get in front of Jesus, no, not now. Notice what happens is some people see the crowds. They say, Wow, see grace. Celebrate grace. Celebrate grace. We will be wow. You understand? You have scored a goal. Glory to God. Let's clap for him. Oh my God. Woo! Hey! It is judgment. Judgment seat of Christ is Vera. Is what? Vera. Jesus said, Vera, bring it. Check it, check it. Envy. I didn't send him. 
I didn't order it. You understand? Then you now say, based on the aforementioned, not a goal. Can we replay the match? No. Referee has blown final issue. So, no World Cup. Then, one small guy that got told, Pastor 20. Then, it grew to 100. It grew to 1,000. Maybe in a village in South Korea. Or in North Korea. He only did what God told him to do. He never did anything else. It was purely, Lord, this is what you say I should do. Nothing else. No offense. In fact, it could be someone who was serving in him. There are some Jews that will get no reward. That ushers in their church will sit on thrones. Because how much of reward you get on the judgment, at the judgment seat of Christ is not respecting, is, is irrespective of your titles on the earth. Is what did God tell you to do? Did you succeed at it? Yes? Welcome. Well done. Good award. Are you learning something today? Lift up your hands and bless his holy name. Oh, Father, we bless you. Man, takara, man, korea. This is not a joke. Service to God must be done according to God's rules. The flesh is not permitted. Vainglory, strife, arrogance, pride, competition, contention is not permitted. For God is his, his spirit. God is a spirit. God is not flesh. So, allow the Lord purify you. Purify you in your soul of competition, of contention, of vainglory, of vanity, selfishness, envy, jealousy. Let him purge you of it. The Bible says the vessel unto honor must purge himself of these things. If he's going to be fit for the master's use. It's the master that is using. So the master determines what he uses you for. You don't determine what he uses you to do. Talk to God, everybody. Open your mouth. Talk to Him. This is why you have to be close to the Lord. You have to have a relationship with Him. A relationship in the Word and a relationship in the Spirit. It has to be daily. It has to be vital. It has to be real. It has to be real. For how then can you hear Him? How then can you be led by Him? If there is no daily, continuous fellowship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The one that goes to do what God didn't send him. And the one that does nothing. They both get what? Nothing. Praise the Lord. So the question is this. If Jesus came today, what work would you show that is assessing? If they gave you 100 questions to answer, and you answered none. Is that not zero? Praise God. What are you presenting to him? Where are your givings? Selfless sacrificial givings. Giving of your time. Giving of money. Giving of yourself. To the things of ministry. Where is it? It will be assessed. It will be assessed. Remember! Whatever time you spend on earth is audition for eternity. This is not it. This cannot be it. It cannot be it. This can't be it. It's too flippant. It's too flimsy. It's too short for it to be what our existence should be about. We are auditioning for what it's really about. A life with Jesus forever. You will determine from your lifestyle here how you will spend that one. Praise God.
And hear me, everybody, listen to me very well. Anyone that dies in service to the Lord, don't mourn for them. They are better than you. Because they have, they have finished their course and they have entered into their reward. Praise God. They should be mourning for you and hoping that you finish well too. Amen. Amen. Alright, have you learned anything today? If you have learned something, put your hand up. Let me see. Hallelujah. Has this message straightened you up? Straightened you out? Has it helped you realign your heart? I said, has it helped you realign your heart? Alright, praise God. Alright. Alright, let's give our offerings. Time is fast, man. So, alright. Second service will start very shortly. Glory to God. The word of God is in Pastor Tolani's mouth. She'll be sharing with us. Amen. Amen. I'll just package our offerings. The account numbers are on the screen. You want to give those of you online. Um, can we project the details online? Father in heaven, how we love you. Abomo, come and help. We lift your name in all the May your kingdom be established in our. I don't know what that. You have just listened to a message by Reverend Dr. Femi Olale of Oikea Christian Center. For other messages, visit our website at www.oikeacc.org. Remain blessed.